Heather comes up and then Paul's going to come and speak to us. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with the God? My tears have been my food day and night. For men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God in my life. I say to my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Amen. Not your normal upbeat type of psalm, is it? Uh, lots of psalms about praise and rejoicing, but uh, did you get the sense in this psalm that whoever's writing it is having a hard time? They're having a tough time. Life is disintegrating around them and they're crying out. Uh, today would give that term mental illness, wouldn't we? Anxiety or depression or something in that realm, wouldn't it? The psalmist is deeply disturbed. His brain is going crazy. And that's our topic for this morning. Uh, we're going to be thinking about mental illness, about anxiety and depression and what it means for you and I. And it's a huge issue in our world and it's a huge issue for us who follow Jesus as well. In the world today, they think there, there are over 400 million people suffering with some form of mental illness. At the moment in the world, there's only about 30 million people with HIV, AIDS. 400 million. In Australia, they say to us that there is between one in four and one in five people in Australia will suffer a depressive episode in their life, and maybe more. And in millennials, those people who are a little bit younger than me, in their 15s to 35s these days, uh, the rate is increasing at a staggering rate. 
And for followers of Jesus, it's hitting us too. It's a huge issue. It's a tough topic. It's not an easy topic. Uh, And anyone who's sitting here today, there'll be many of you who are either been through this or are going through this or may possibly go through this in a period of time or you've been trying to support someone who's been going through a mental illness or a period of anxiety or an episode of depression. And in this 25 minutes that we've got this morning, we're only going to really scratch the surface. So I'm not going to suddenly give you a silver bullet today uh, that says this is the way that we're going to handle it or cope with it. But what I want to do today is a couple of things. Uh, And you can see them on the back of your service sheet. You can see the outline. You can see where we're going to be heading. Uh, You can see that first and foremost, I want to blow the lid off mental illness for those that follow Jesus. That is... I want to open it up for us to realise and to understand that it hits us. That it's not an out there issue, it's an in here issue as well. And there are many people who I know who are part of our church family here who have suffered from it and still suffer and find it tough. So I want to blow the lid. I want to blow the lid open. I want us to say, let's not cover it up. Let's not put it down and say, if you're a Christian, stiff upper lip. You can't get depressed. You can't. No, you're more sinful than someone else. If you've got depression, if you've got mental illness, it's all garbage. I want to blow that out of the water. Psalm 42 has got to blow that out of the water for you if you want to read anything. And we're going to look at other passages in the Bible as we go through too. But in that, in blowing the lid off of it, I do actually want us to have and see that there is hope within it. I'm not just going to blow the lid off and then let us all sink in that. <laughs> we're going to blow the lid off and then we're going to have a look at what God's Word says and then we're going to spend some time praying about that together at the end. And to blow the lid off, we're going to hear from someone who's been suffering with mental illness and depression for many years at different stages and different times and he's a beloved brother of ours. Makes me feel teary already as I'm thinking about what he's about to say. But Ben Weeks. Now Benny's not here today. Ben's gone and camping with Will. And he didn't time that to be the case. He was already doing that before we put this topic up. Uh, but he was uh, graciously videoed himself. And we've got a clip of Ben now. And he's going to share with us his journey. And uh, the lid's not just blown off his hair, but the lid, lid's blown off for us to see how he's gone through this. And I think we can do it without the lights off. So, Depression, the dark tunnel, the black dog, the wilderness. Not very pleasant. For me, it was a very unpleasant uh, and difficult time. In just a few minutes, I can give you an oversight into uh, 15 years of of wandering through the dark tunnel in the wilderness. I was first diagnosed with depression back in about 98, but I realised the conditions were happening uh, quite a few years before that. Uh, It was, if I could sum it up, an absence of joy or, or enjoyment. So you could have a beautiful day outside and uh, the birds chirping, beautiful waves. Uh, We live in a great place, but inside there was no pleasure in anything. There was an emptiness, a flatness, uh, a a struggle to cope. And that's uh, difficult for the person going through it, but very difficult also for the people around, in particular my family. I would become uh, very uh, reclusive and unable to function, unable to cope, along with it was anxiety and panic, so that I would uh, snap very easily, I would overload 
and find simple situations too much to cope with. So I would withdraw and, um, as I say, just uh, hide away and try and uh, escape the torment that I was feeling. Difficult place to be. Statistically, they say that 20% uh, of Australians will be facing depression in each year, and I guess that leaves another 80% of people perhaps confused, trying to understand, trying to get a grip on what the person is going through. I didn't want to go down the path of antidepressants or any chemical intervention, so I struggled through for a few years trying to uh, get out of the ditch, you might say. And I, I battled. And I, I, the worst part for me, though, was feeling the disappointment at giving my family such a hard time. And it was eventually that that uh, pressed me to, to seek help. Now, the first uh, lot of antidepressants didn't work well with my chemistry. It was actually quite dangerous. I was quite absent and uh, detached, zoned out, a bit dopey. Uh, you might say that that's still carrying on, but <laughs> <laughs> in those days it was pretty bad. Uh, so eventually I did get onto a antidepressant that worked with my chemistry. And that was a relief because I just I do like the, the, the image, this picture of pulling a tractor out of the ditch. You can't get out yourself. But uh, just getting out of the ditch and being able to get some clear air and being able to um, think and process and make better decisions was a great relief. Uh, there were ups and downs. It wasn't like uh, everything, every struggle disappeared, but certainly, uh, it was a relief to be able to, to cope better. Uh, it's easy for people to look at someone with depression and think that their circumstances are causing it. And that may be the case. There may be triggers in uh, your situation or the, the, the things that are going on around you. They may be triggers, but inside there's, a, from my experience anyway, a chemical imbalance happening. So that uh, things that should be simple uh, overwhelming and overloading. It, uh, I suppose I look back at it and think, well, why? And all I can look at it and say is that um, in that place, in that desperate place of feeling nothing and no enjoyment, the small thing I did have was a glimmer of hope, a small amount of faith that this would pass and that God would get me through. There was, and I guess that kept me hanging on because there were some pretty dark times. And it does drive you to, to, to desperate prayer and desperate times talking with God and pleading for relief and hope and a way out. I guess the other plus that comes out of it is that uh, you're able to relate with and understand other people who are going through periods of depression. It is um, a frightening thing. I guess another aspect of it is that confidence evaporates and your ability to feel like you can uh, solve a problem or, or cope in a situation or, or speak to people even in a, in a, a room, like in a, a crowd of people. You feel very uh, vulnerable and uh, at a loss, at a loss. So what I would say is if you are going through depression, that's a hard place to be and, and uh, there is hope in knowing that God has us in his hands 
Uh, but it's also great if the people around us can, can understand that uh, people used to put it in terms of if you break your leg, people don't expect you to, to, to sprint 100 metres. So if you're struggling uh, with mental illness, uh, even though people may say, look, just you know, get yourself occupied, get your mind uh, distracted and focusing on something positive, it's a great thought, but sometimes that uh, the chemical overload and what's happening in your head is just so great. Uh, what can I say? Uh, antidepressants were helpful, and spending time in prayer and reading the word, having great encouragement and support uh, from people around, from a great church family, was very helpful. And I think God is faithful in all of this, and that he allows us to go through these things, but doesn't abandon us. And um, it's for a purpose, that we are able to help others who are struggling. And uh, we're not an island, we need each other. Thank you. Yeah, you can clap him, he's not here, is he? <laughs> uh, great one, isn't it? Uh, God is faithful, but he doesn't abandon us. Uh, and it's real, isn't it? Uh, we feel that with Ben, and he's been through that, and I know many of you have also experienced that at different times, and you've travelled with people during that period. Uh, and, and Ben was good, wasn't he? He mentioned a number of different things that we're going to be looking at as we go through, and a number of aspects of that, that there are different things that add to why we may uh, experience depression, why we may experience anxiety, and that there's nothing wrong with uh, getting uh, doctor's helps getting medication, period of time, uh, counselling and that sort of thing. We're going to be thinking about that a little bit as we go through as well. Uh, and the first thing I, I, that I wanted to, and why we wanted to put it out there, was because I wanted us to see that um, sometimes in our society we've tried to open up the fact that depression and anxiety and mental illness is an issue that we need to be talking about openly. But I think sometimes in the church we've tended to hold it back and keep it to the side or somehow say that people are worse off or... They're more sinful because they're doing that. Uh, but I wanted to blow that out there and show, like Ben, for example, a lovely, godly guy who's experienced this for many years in his life. Uh, if you go through the history of Christians, you'll see that there are multitudes of Christians who have suffered uh, depressive episodes. The guy who wrote Psalm 42, uh, William Cowper, who wrote a number of our uh, psalms. Uh, we think that C.S. Lewis went through a period of that time. Just recently, Ray Warren's son, a lovely Christian guy, took his life because he's in the middle of the darkness of all this. Uh, there's been other Christians throughout. J.B. Phillips, if you know, is a translator of the Bible. He suffered for his whole life. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon, one of the great preachers in early uh, the 1800s, 1900s, battled with it for his whole life. So I want to say to us here this morning, if you're battling with it or if you've battled with it, you're not alone. You're not alone. There are many, many people in the past who've been through this. There'll be many, many people in the future who'll go through this. And there's many people now who are struggling with this who are followers of Jesus. Uh, but in that, Ben mentioned that glimmer of hope, didn't he? That sense of that there is a hope that held him through all of that, that God is faithful and won't abandon. And so I want us to think about that a little bit too as we look today at the scriptures together. Uh, and as we think that through, because there are a number of things that are uh, considered, considered uh, towards this, aren't there? 
Uh, one little quote that I, I read during the week about uh, someone who's a Christian who was going through depression was this. She says, I'm just having a harder time living in my brain than other people are in theirs. I'm just having a harder time living in my brain than other people are in theirs. It's so true, isn't it? And there are different parts that add to our uh, depression that can do that. Our environment, Ben mentioned that, didn't he? The things around us can contribute to that. Uh, our physiology, how we're made up, our brain, our chemistry can add to all of that and also our spiritual life as well. Uh, and all those aspects can come in from different... Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other, sometimes it's the whole lot that just funnels in on us and hits us at one time. And so we need to do things about that, don't we? If it's our environment, if it's what we're living in around us, maybe we do need to make decisions about moving away from that situation, getting out of that job, not being part of that group. Maybe it is physiology, as we said. Maybe we do need to go and get medical help. Maybe we do need to go and speak to someone about counselling. And maybe it is spiritual as well. Maybe there is an element within us where we aren't trusting God the way that he'd want us to or desire us to. Now, I can't do all the environmental and all the physiology for you. Uh, all I want to say to you is that they are real. God has made us humans who have a body and a fleshly and are part of this world and he has made us spiritual beings as well. And brokenness of this world impacts every part of that. Both our body, fleshly, and our body, spiritually. And so depression and mental illness can impact all of those as well. So this morning I just want to take us through a couple of things. I want to just hopefully bring a few things to you that I think the Scriptures help us. They don't put this aside. They openly speak about it to us. And in the Scriptures we can see some hope within that too and maybe some things that we can put in place to help us move through that period or travel with someone within that and encourage them in it. And the first one I want to do is to express yourself. Uh, not Madonna's song. Uh, but that idea that we really are not to bottle this all up and just hold it in, but we are actually to express how we're feeling. Us blokes are horrible at this, aren't we? We can talk about the cricket. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about the fishing. We can talk about shark nets. Now, none of those are bad. Okay, they're all good things. But how often do you guys, do us guys, speak about what's happening in here? Stuff that really is getting at us. Now, I might be characterising blokes in that way, and maybe girls, you need to think about that as well. But we do, don't we? We need to express this. We need to get the stuff that's inside out and speak about it together. Because that's what the psalmist does, doesn't he? Uh, look at what he says there. In the first five verses, he talks about as a deer pants for the water. There's a song about that that drives me bonkers, but it's a great thing. It's a deer pants for strength. There's a sense of yearning in it. Only there's a, my soul thirsts for God. That's an internal thing that he's talking about. My tears have been my food day and night. This bloke is on his knees crying. You know, we talk about crying into our pillow. This bloke was crying into his pillow, whatever that looked like back in those days. He's expressing his, look, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. He expresses himself, doesn't he? And here he's expressing himself specifically to God. He's in prayer, he's on his knees. 
He's crying out to God what's going on on the inside. When was the last time you did that? Sometimes we just think, well, I'll fix it. I'll get the right little book, I'll read the right thing, I'll do the right little activity and I'll be fine. God wants us to express ourselves to him, to pour out our hearts to him, to let him know what's going on in our lives. Can I encourage you to do that? Pour out what's going on on the inside. Benny said that, didn't he? In his darkest moments, the only thing that he could possibly do was just cry out to that God who he didn't feel was there, but he knew he was there. So that's what the psalmist does, doesn't he? He says, my soul, I don't feel it. I don't feel this, God. Where are you in all of this? I'm not feeling you, but underneath, he knows that solid rock that he knows he's there. The truth is that God is there, even if we don't feel him. And in his desperation, he cries out to God and he expresses himself to God. And I'm going to encourage you later to express yourselves to others as well. Maybe not everyone, but pick a couple of people to express yourself to. Because as we let it out... It's acknowledging of what's going on on the inside. And God comes and he heals and he restores and he'll hold you even in those darkest, most bleakest moments. And the next thing I want to say is that we need to talk to ourselves. Now Benny says, you know, just concentrate your mind on things and that's really hard when you're in the darkest and blackest place. But sometimes when you're in the darkest and blackest place, the voice that's coming to you is not the voice of truth, is it? The voice that's coming into you, you are talking to yourselves. You're talking to yourself right now. Do you know that? There's things going through your brain that you're talking to yourself. You're either saying, that Paul is an absolute idiot. Or you're saying, oh, maybe there's some truth here. Or maybe you're thinking, the sun's really nice and I need to get down to the beach because I'm not on about this. You're talking to yourself. We are always talking to ourselves. Our brains are very rarely quiet. We, no, never is probably the answer. We are talking to ourselves and in the deepest, darkest moments we can be talking to ourselves about the really black stuff about us. And to try and change that, we need to start talking about the truth about who we are. The truth about who God is talk to ourselves the good news about what God is doing in our lives. Uh, look at what uh, the guy, the, the psalmist does that. He cries out, doesn't he? He says, my soul, why are you so downcast? You can feel it, can't you? You can feel that angst in his voice. Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? He's speaking to his own self, isn't he? He's talking to himself. And as he talks to himself, what's the next one he says, doesn't he? He says he, he feels that angst, he knows that pain, the blackness is talking to him from this side. And then from the other side he's saying, put your hope in God, but yet I will praise him, my saviour and my God. Now, I'm not sure what happened to the writer of this psalm and where he went to in the rest of his life, but you can see that there's two voices going on in his head, isn't there? He's feeling that angst. But he's not hiding that angst. 
He's not trying to pretend that he's all a shiny Christian, he's got it all sorted. He's not pretending before God to say, put that downcast on, I'm just going to be praising God all the time and I'm happy and smiley with you, God. He says, I'm downcast. Why am I so downcast? But then I put my hope in you, Lord. He's talking to himself, isn't he? And that's what we need to be doing too. Uh, there's a quote by a guy called Ed Vaughan he's in a book. Oh, uh, you'll have a look at it later. He says, talking to yourself has been said is the first step to going mad, but it may well be the first step to recovery. Someone said, talking to yourself is the first step going mad. When you're answering yourself is when you're going mad. <laughs> But actually, that's not true either, is it? It actually is the first step to recovery. When we start talking to ourselves and trying to talk to ourselves the truths of who we are and what we are and who God is and what He is like, they're the ones that are going to buttress against the other voices that want to come in and tell us the opposite. And so it can be the first step to healing as we talk to ourselves. Don't think you're mad as you do it. That's how we can move forward in this. Expressing ourselves, talking to ourselves and talking to ourselves the truth of the gospel, of what God sees us and how God sees us. Because in Romans 12 verse 2 it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It happens up here, doesn't it? That's where we go crazy, isn't it? That's where, it all, that's where the voices all happen. God knows that. He knows it's in our mind. But he wants to renew that mind. He wants to transform our mind. He wants to take our mind to be like his. Because the next word after that in Romans 12 is so that you can know and test God's good and pleasing will by the renewing of our minds. And one way of renewing our mind is to keep talking to our minds and filling our minds and showing our minds what is the truth and not the darkness and the lies that we want to keep trying the darkness wants to feed into us. We want to feed into God's truth and God light, God's light into that darkness. We need to change the playlists in our brain. Uh, I've often said to change the cassette in your brain. Now, for anyone under the age of 35, you've got no idea what that means, do you? What is a cassette? See the little thing down the bottom? That's a cassette. You used to put it in this machine. You used to put it and push play. You could even record over it at times and do all sorts of things. But it's this idea that we have in our heads a playlist that goes around, doesn't it? It goes on and on and on. Ronnie tells me that in the middle of the night, he starts singing a playlist. He can do how many songs in a row, Ronnie? At the start of the night. At the start of the night? He sings forever. He's got a playlist. He plays in his mind. He can sing it. And he sings it out. But others of us have playlists in our minds of the words and the feelings and the thoughts and the darkness and the doubt and the distress that wants to keep coming in. And sometimes that playlist isn't just about us, but it's about others. The playlist can be all that dark and deep thing that we feel against other people. And then that feeds in on the darkness and the depression and the anxiety. I'm not, put, I'm not saying that that's not part of That is so much part of what happens, isn't it? That's what the psalmist says. But the scriptures and the Bible tells us that we need to try and change that tape, change that playlist, renew our minds with the truth of the gospel. 
when Les read from Philippians, it's actually out of Philippians 4, that little book, uh, what is God, what is pure, what is lovely, turn your minds to these things. God knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? He wants to change our thinking. He wants to renew our minds. He wants us to change that playlist in our heads. And the great news, he just doesn't say, well, you pick your own playlist to try and find. He's actually got his playlist there in his word for us to look at. That's a brain and uh, some of you know and have probably heard, it's a really topical thing at the moment. Uh, it's called neuroplasticity and we've spoken about it here in the past. Uh, but scientists these days have worked out that our brains aren't set in stone. That our brains have this thing called neuroplasticity in it where as we do things our brain sends messages and there's neural pathways that it moves through our brain and so as we do things it goes down these pathways, hits a spot and then comes back and we do it. Uh, but what they've worked out is in our brains these days, our neuroplasticity is that actually we can change the pathways of our brains. Uh, that it actually can almost heal itself, heal thyself brain. In some sense it almost can do that. It can actually change things, it can move things with all sorts of things from physical disabilities to mental disabilities. It can actually change things around. It's an amazing thing they're looking at. Uh, but God spoke about it before, didn't he? By the renewing and transforming of your mind, he knew you can change your thinking on things. And so that neuroplasticity means that we can change the way that our brain thinks and the pathways that it takes. A bit like the train, you know, we think, well, we're on one path and that's it. I'm on this dark path, I can't get off it, all these things. But actually, no, God says there is another path that we can change to. And the, the scientists are saying that that's what happens in our brains. Too. We can actually switch our pathways, we can change our pathways and our brains can be transformed and renewed. Now scientists just see it from science, but we have God's word and we have God's spirit. who are far more powerful than anything else. So God desires for us to have those neural pathways changed, those tracks changed, so that our thinking moves from our darkness and our angst and our anxiety and our depression to move towards him and to the light. So I want to encourage us to tell ourselves the gospel. For us to start thinking about telling ourselves the gospel continually in our brains. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to get Heather to come up and speak to us again or read for us. And we're going to read from Matthew 6, great part of the Bible. And she's going to read from verse 14 to about 30. Is that right, Heather? Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, 
will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a great passage, isn't it? And we're not going to do a whole other sermon on this passage, but I'm going to draw out just a couple of things out of it for you this morning to help us tell ourselves the gospel. Uh, an anxiety and worry, it's something that hits us all, doesn't it? Something that uh, we feel acutely at different times. I know uh, I get anxious about a number of things. I get anxious about missing planes to the point that I'll jump out of a car two kilometres out and run to get to the plane just so I don't miss it because we're in a traffic jam. I get anxious about standing in the line at the supermarket and you're there and Karina then races off to get one more item and it's at the other end of the supermarket and I'm coming up to have to pay and get out the other end. I get anxious at those moments. <laughs> All the blokes are going, yeah, we get anxious over that. We feel that anxiety. <laughs> No, don't run off, stay with me. I can't face the checkout by myself. <laughs> That's a poor, aren't we, really? Uh, but I find other things anxious too. And I'm not saying this to you to make you feel guilty at all, but I want you to know that, blowing the lid off this, that we all experience this at different times, don't we? And I feel anxious about finances. And I feel anxious about the finances here. I've been here 19 years and there has not been one week that I haven't been paid, but I'm still anxious. And I've been in periods when we've been $20,000 from other places, lots of stuff going, but I still get anxious. I can wake up in the middle of the night and my brain will run to all the things that I could try and think about how I could sort this out, how I could help it, how, what can we do, what are strategies we need to put in place about doing all that stuff. I lay awake with that. I'm not telling you that to be guilty, please, because the guilt's here. Is it? I don't need to be anxious about that. And I need to tell myself the gospel. And I need to tell myself Matthew 6. And the first thing I want to say to you, there is three good news points in this Matthew 6 that I need to tell myself the gospel about and I want to encourage you to do the gospel about. And the first one is that God cares. You know, it's the first section. Uh, he talks about the birds of the air and uh, the fields of the uh, grasses in the field. Uh, God cares, doesn't he? He looks after all those things. He provides. In God's creation, God provides it all. He supplies that out there, doesn't he? It's amazing that God provides for all out there. And then what does he say in the middle of it? How much more does he care for you? You see, not does God know, God cares and God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so you can have eternity with him, so you experience him now and forever. We need to tell ourselves that the gospel, don't we? 
When you're walking along the beach and you're looking at how amazing is that bright, fabulous moon during the week, don't just go, wow, God, how good are you about the moon, but go, wow, God, that you love me even more than the moon. God didn't die so that this moon can have a better life. Or the dolphin, or the whale. But you, God loves you. Tell yourself that the gospel, when you're next time and you're looking at God's creation and you go, wow, how amazing is what God can do, remember how much more he cares for you. Because he loves you. Tell yourself that's the good news of the gospel. Tell yourself that. In creation, God loves you even more. Oh, that was nice, wasn't it? And also that God loves you so much that he's actually made you part of his family. That's what it says there. It goes down, God cares for all these things. But how much does your heavenly Father care for you? Do you know what Jesus does? He moves it just from the sense of the omnipotent, all-powerful God of creation to the loving Heavenly Father. He brings it down into a personal note, doesn't he? He takes it just from the concept and brings it down to earth and to us and says, your Heavenly Father. He says, when I bring you into my family, then you're in my family. You see that family around the cross? That's where we gather, guys. That's what God has done. He's brought you around the cross. He's brought you in through Jesus and he makes you his. In Jesus, you are his and he is for us. That's what we're saying in Jesus loves me, doesn't he? Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. He is, loves us because he is for us. In that hymn we sang earlier, the song we sang earlier. Tell yourself the gospel, guys. Remind yourself of the gospel. As you're looking around the world, as you're in your own family, keep telling yourself that I'm in God's family, that I'm around with him, that he has me and he holds me and he will never, ever let you go. Once you're in God's family, you're not getting out of it. You don't want to get out of it, by the way. But you're not out of it. Jesus says to us, all the Father has given to me, I will keep. And if Jesus promises to keep you, he will keep you. That is wonderful news, isn't it? Turn our heads, guys. Tell us the gospel. If we look at creation, God cares for that, but he loves you. We see that in the cross in Jesus. And in the cross of Jesus, he brings us into his family. And in his family, we are his. And in his family, we're on about the gospel, about his kingdom, which is continuing on with that photo. What does he say, doesn't he? Verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see, we have a better world. We have a better hope. This world is broken. Our brains are broken. Our emotions are broken. But there is a better kingdom. His kingdom. 
And as we seek his kingdom here, we can know that ultimately we're going to be in his perfect kingdom forever. As we turn our eyes to him, as we seek what he's on about, then we'll start to see that kingdom and it'll become brighter and brighter and brighter. Uh, There's a book that's called Captured by a Better Vision, which is actually a book about uh, not going for pornography. And uh, I'll give that to you and the resources when we get to that. But it's a great title, isn't it? Captured by a Better Vision. That vision is Jesus and his kingdom and his beauty and his holiness, his comfort, his love, his care. That's what Philippians 4 says in 6 and 7, doesn't it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, hand all your prayers over to him, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in him. And it says, then turn your heart to him, whatever is lovely, turn your mind to whatever is lovely, what is pure, what is holy, what is good, which is Jesus. So we turn our minds to him. Can I encourage you with that? And I know that some of you are in the moment of darkness at the moment or on the edge of it at different times or you've been there or you know others. Let's encourage each other in telling each other the gospel. Changing that tape in our head, the playlist in our head from what our dark side is wanting to tell us and even what the world is wanting to tell us. You see, our identity is... That's why our millennials are getting so mucked up these days is because their identity is in how many likes they get on Facebook and whether Instagram is being followed by so many people because everything is about what's online at the moment and it's hitting you every moment. Nothing against my daughter sitting over at the moment but while we're sitting there, her phone is going constantly with people sending her stuff. It's not Hannah's fault, that's just what the phone does. But, but it's constant. We, we find that now, I find my phone, it rings and it, I always jump to go and get to that text. I'll go, oh, someone wants me. Or the phone ring. And then not only that, you've got all your things coming up from your Facebook accounts because they're sending you all these notifications. If you're playing fantasy football, you get all these notifications. It's just your phone is just... There is no period in time these days for you to actually sit back and think and tell yourself the gospel because you're getting fed by all this other stuff. We were talking last night with a guy called Arcos Balog who some of you may know, uh, he writes a blog. Uh, he's a Christian guy in Lismore. We're at a thing for Matt Simpson, a support for them. And Arcos has just done a, a major thesis on the impact of technology from a biblical perspective. And it really was interesting just chatting to him. He was saying that, you know, we can try and redeem technology and there's a good aspect to that. You know, we, you know, we can incorporate technology. That's what we do here with different things. Uh, but he says there is an element of technology today that is very, very dangerous and very, very deceptive. And it's not so much that we can't use it, but it's constancy. It is a constant thing that is coming to us through our phones, through our iPads, where we cannot sit back and have a moment to tell ourselves the gospel. We're just getting telling how many people like the photo we just uploaded the article we just put up or someone else's what they're doing and where they're going. Tell ourselves the gospel, guys. Have time, have space to do that. Give yourself brain enough space to come back and do that. 
And finally, can I say to us, we need to love each other, don't we? Because we're in a family. Our Father, we're in a family. We're not individuals, guys. We're not travelling this journey alone. We've got God who travels the journey with us, but he's placed people around us to travel that journey with us. I think sometimes it's hard. I know when you're in the middle of black and you're in the middle of anxiety, you don't want to, because you think it's a weakness, and I want to let that out. But I hope we've blown the lid today so that so many of us are struggling with that or will or have that we want to journey with each other in that that we want to love each other within that uh, if you go to the book of Philippians and read through it you will see that there is so much when Paul is writing that he brings people in to be part of that to journey in life with each other and that's what we need to do guys we need to journey life with each other and love one another and we need to stand beside each other when we do that. This isn't a stand in front and point. This is a stand beside and journey. A stand beside and listen. A stand beside and pray. A stand beside and read the scriptures together. A stand beside and tell each other the gospel together. And together we can change that tape in our head and the playlist. journey with friends that's what that are you okay is about have you seen that written around the place are you okay it's a bit of a thing that uh, is out there at the moment but can I say to you if you're going to ask someone who are they okay then be ready for the answer and have time for the answer I think that's where the problem with this that program is it's a great thing to go up and ask someone if they're okay great see you mate alright great well, they tell you, I'm struggling. You say, whoa, man, I'm out of here. I don't want to know about that. But it's, are you okay? I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to journey with you. I'm going to tell you the gospel with you. I hope we've blown the lid. Mental illness, anxiety, depression is something that impacts probably all of us at some point in time in some way. The writers of the Bible felt it. Christians throughout the centuries have experienced it. You and I today are going through it. But let's encourage ourselves to know that God is always there. He is faithful. He doesn't abandon you. He hears you. Express yourself to him. Express yourself to others. Change the tape in your head, the playlist in your head to the gospel message of how God sees you and how God understands you and who he is. And let's journey that together, guys. Let's journey together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, our brains are such an interesting thing, Lord, and uh, our minds run off in all tangents at different times and... Lord, this broken world has impacted and broken our minds as well. And Lord, we feel that and we experience that and we know that you know that, Lord. And we know, Lord, that you want to transform and renew our minds and we know, Lord, that that won't come to ultimate fruition and fulfilment until we're with you. But here and now, you want us to hold on to hope. You want us to be changed. You want us to hold on to the light, Lord. 
And Father, you've given us each other. You've given us your word. And ultimately, Lord, you've given us Jesus. Lord, help us to be captured by the vision of him. The good news of your gospel for us. That you love us. That we're in your family. And that your kingdom is far better than anything that we can possibly imagine here, Lord. Lord, transform and renew our minds by your spirit, Lord. To hold on to that wonderful truth of the good news of your gospel. And Lord, help us to help each other to hold on to that, Lord. And to journey that together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.